1: Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast. Your non-stop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely.
0: Can't wait. Welcome into the winter solstice edition of the Can't Wait Podcast. It is Tuesday, December 21st, the shortest day of the year. Hey everyone, Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes and a morning Marissa Morris, who is having a tough time, but she'll she'll get past the Browns game on Monday night. Hopefully we can all help her rally past the difficult Browns game. Obviously they pushed it to the limit despite being so short-handed and lost it right at the end. But uh, we're gonna talk about the Jets. We're gonna talk about Zach Wilson, Report card for last weekend. Uh, We're going to talk about this upcoming game because it's Jaguars, Jets. Should the Jets, do we want them to win? Do we not want them to win? It's a good question, Uh, but we're going to start with the defense as long as Marissa assures us that she's okay.
2: Yeah, I'm hanging in there. Um, I'm excited to, you know, talk to you two this morning and hopefully like start my day off well, you know.
1: Positive Michael played Conno, well right Michael yes. played well yeah Michael positive Con- positive Kano was getting death threats during the game yesterday so we should probably stay away <laughs> from positive Kano like, wait but I
2: thought that was during the next game
1: uh or
2: that was during the day yesterday yeah, that was- no <laughs> I got that like I in my DMs that.
1: after the game after the uh after yeah. the, whatever you call it game I want like, like, to make it very clear to all listeners. the next day
2: I want to make it very clear to all listeners no one can be mean to Connor but me and if you're going to be Oh, yes, Connor, that's going to be that's
1: going to go nice. over well. If you're oh, going to be mean to Connor,
2: you have to go through me. Yeah, first, that's going to be okay? great.
1: Oh, um, yeah. you don't want those mentions. You don't, I get it. Like people are like You don't want to like,
2: mess with me. Trust me.
1: <laughs> we'll we'll talk, yeah. We'll talk about yeah, yeah, really. Uh but um Dunn played well and I think that's all like you can like we were all watching it like it's funny though like the way that the Michael Dunn Uh, hype train has kind of expanded now because obviously you guys were at my wedding and so all of my all of my friends got a chance to meet him my family got a chance to meet him and things like that Uh, at one point he lifted uh grandmother who's like on a walker lifted her up and carried her onto the bus to get to the after party and then placed her down if i'm not mistaken he then lifted her back up and took her off of the bus so i mean he's a good guy everyone loved him at the part at the wedding and everything like that um so when he was starting like i i knew he was starting because we had talked to you because like i saw this brown shit hit and obviously the first thing I did was send in our group chat, like, hey, is, does this mean done's up? And you were like, Yeah, it looks like it. So I was like, sweet, it's gonna be fun to watch the game. Like Michael's in there again. And then what was funny was right as the game started, I was running like I had, you know, gone I had gone to the gym and stuff like that and come home and you know, I was actually took a nap too before the gym. So I was I was pretty lazy yesterday. But I looked down, I had a text message from two of my best friends from home. And one of them, and th- the only time they've ever met you is at my wedding. They don't know you. There's no connection. It's not like they worked out together or anything like that. They get, a, they look down at my phone. It's text from my best friend. He goes, holy shit, Michael Dunn's in the starting lineup. So it's like everyone, <laughs> they see this kid's name, and he's got a fan group now all the way down into South Jersey. So it was cool. And, you know, obviously, I know the, the first couple snaps were, were a little rough. Like, obviously, you know, it's shaking off the, the rust or whatever, and, and they got him on, like, a stunt or something like that. But after the game, I mean, afterwards, he started – I mean he found his rhythm and he started playing really good football. I mean he was i probably the only time that I've like sign like, like singled out an offensive lineman just to watch him play. Um and and to watch Dunn like not only go out there to play well was really cool. You know what I mean? And and like the the one uh, the sweep that they ran to Chubb on their first touchdown, where they got him out there and he was pulling and running down. There was one time on they ran a, a screen to Njoku where he was the leading blocker as well. Pancake someone because so I immediately sent our group chat "pancake Michael Dunn" and got up and was complaining because the referee didn't throw a flag on what looked it did look like a late hit to Njoku. Like it was, it's cool to see him out there. Uh, and having success, especially like when you know his story, when you know his journey, when you know what the two of you together have been through, like, it's it's pretty awesome to see him having that success. And the fact he's 27, he's still in the prime of his career. I thought he was older. I thought he was like me, 29, but apparently Marissa likes dating him a little younger than her. So it was uh, <laughs> he's, he's like literally
2: six months younger than me. But yeah, I'm very proud of him. Um, obviously, it was a very, very disappointing loss. But, you know, there was a lot of guys that stepped up yesterday and, you know, they were down. 19 active roster players um which is just wild so to be in that game um takes you know a full team effort and um i'm happy he was part of it and there's a lot of guys that deserve credit so we'll see how this is- afc playoff picture is gonna pan out because ooh, it is it is really jumbled that's for sure
1: I will say it is it like the one – and this isn't a Browns podcast. You guys have one of those, so you can talk about all this there. But I, I do genuinely <laughs> believe that, like, Callahan needs an absur- that offensive line coach. I mean, his reputation yeah, precedes him wherever he goes. I mean, he was here with the Jets and helped build a dominant offensive line here. Obviously, he was a train wreck as a head coach, uh, replacing John Gruden in Oakland. But um, he is like uh, – when you look at what he's done with these guys – not only just the offensive line that the Browns have, but then when they lose these pieces and you can have players like Michael Dunn come in, I and mean, we were talking about his PFF grade. I mean, he's got a – he was a, I mean, he was like the highest graded offensive lineman when we started last year against the Steelers. This was a guy that had never played in the NFL before, plucked off an XFL roster, was in the training camp, practice squad training camp, came out against the Steelers, and it wasn't even like they didn't skip a beat. I mean, there was like a legitimate – he's replacing a Pro Bowl player, and there was literally – no drop off in production, and now like even this week against the uh, a, a decent Raider defensive line. I mean, that's a decent defensive front from them. Well, so actually, it point- was
2: pretty cool because he got to go up against Quentin Jefferson and Yannick Ngakwe, who we went to college with. So, oh right,
1: uh, Yannick's a, a Maryland guy.
2: Yannick and Quentin Jefferson. So he went against Quentin Jefferson that. the entire game. Which was pretty cool, um, you know, to see these kids five six years out of Maryland and still getting to play against each other in the NFL. So he was, you know, took a picture with Quentin after the game. So that was pretty cool.
1: They jersey swap?
2: I don't think they did. I don't know what the COVID rules were. Can, can you
1: jersey swap with me? Can Michael <laughs> sure. jersey swap with me? I, can I get actually oh, no lie, can I get a Michael You're Dunn? Jersey? Give him a- Everyone <laughs> always asks me that, like, do I have can I get a Michael Dunn jersey? Is <laughs> sure. that possible to get one of them? Like I think they're available in the Pro shop, shop. Yeah, I'll tell for, his dad. Yeah, to send I want anyone. it signed. I want it signed. <laughs> okay. Like I, I need to sign Michael Dunn That's actually something that I do want. I keep meaning to say that. <laughs> um, but no, like I said, Callahan. Like this is a guy and Dunn. Like he's obviously spent time developing him over the last two years. Kid steps in with basically no NFL experience. You know, obviously got hurt his final year in college. 72.6 overall PFF grade. I know people can say like. Uh, what you what you want about PFF? I mean, when it comes to offensive line play, I look at it and I I use it as a means to know if this guy sucks. This guy's not good. 72.6 uh, overall grades, 72.5 in pass block, 69.2 in run block. He did not allow a quarterback hit, pressure, or sack uh, throughout that entire game. And it's like it's again, it's a testament to obviously done developing, but it's also a testament to Callahan. And I remember when the Jets were piecing together their coaching staff with Adam Gase, Costello and I talked a lot about this about how they should have just gone out there and given Callahan whatever money you wanted, And there would have been some pride swallowing that needed to happen because I know that there was uh Callahan didn't leave the jets on good terms. Uh, I know that's, so there would have been some, some pride swallowing that would have had to happen, but that's nothing that, that a little, you know, checkbook can't change. I would have gone out there and given him whatever he wanted. And, and obviously the Browns did, and you're starting to see the, see the results of it because you can lose Pro Bowl quality players. And then you can have, a feel-good story like Dunn step in. And it's not just like the fact that he's playing, but he's out there and he's playing really, really, really well. And shout out to Joel
2: Batonio, who actually pushed out to left tackle, has not played there since college. And I think he had a 90 PFF grade playing at left tackle. And he has actually just got voted into the Pro Bowl yesterday as well, at left guard, obviously. So Um, lots of compliments to put around, but.
1: At seventy-two, love well, Marissa spreading the
0: wealth yes. around, not not accepting. Yes, you know, the you like everybody was part yeah, of it. it's a
2: team effort. Gotta be about the team. That's yeah. all that matters. You
1: know? at, at at a seventy-two point six offensive blocking grade, right? Seventy-two point six blocking grade, that would make Michael Dunn, if he were on the Jets, their second best offensive lineman, their second highest graded offensive lineman behind Connor McGovern, who's a seventy-five point five. So if Michael Dunn was on the Jets, he'd be their second and and did what he did against the Raiders throughout the course of the season, he would be their second graded offensive lineman as a 27 year old guard that they found off the XFL. And obviously like, again, it, it's not, it's, it's apples to oranges because the coaching that he's getting there is different than the coaching he was getting here. I don't know. I mean, I've seen Michael on the dance floor, so I know he's got nimble feet and all that <laughs> stuff, but I don't know how he's going to fit into his own blocking scheme. Um, but I, I think that like, it's, it's a cool story and who knows? I mean, when's his contract up? Are you under contract for one more year or is he a free agent? This I year? don't know
2: how it works. You're like a, uh erfa i don't that's
1: all it me. Uh, he's erfa so yeah. so he'll be back so he's not going to hit free agency so i leave all that up to canner yeah. right yes. yes he was at the dolphin game because he retweeted my thing about that yes, proposal I did see that. but who knows maybe he's a free agent target i mean look joe took a. obviously jeff fans gonna be like no when i use this name but joe took a chance on on a guy who got a little bit of a starting experience with with greg van roten who we thought, you know, kind of kind of late, late bloomer. And obviously Greg just aged very, very quickly um, and lost all that athleticism. But who knows? Maybe when Dunn's a free agent, the Jets uh, go go make a run. They worked him out. Mike McKagan chose not to sign him. So you can add that to the the blunder up there, like they're drafting uh, you know, <laughs> all the draft blunders at not signing Michael Dunn to uh, top that list.
2: Yeah. Crazy all right and so now we'll do the, it for our Browns segment for, of the jets podcast
0: for for, for, more, for more browns content check civilized out uh, i think i will say civilized this. barking
1: not to not to inter- also well, produce produced yes. by
0: marissa morris by the way
1: yeah i was gonna say like the one thing i will I, I obviously you're gonna hear it in the youtube sec the youtube uh section i think um where like the youtube comments are gonna be like i don't give two shits about the browns get this out there blah 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 but when you see like I, the the people that are watching this live on the chat however many people are watching right you now. You can tell the vast majority of them do care about Dunn, though, because when I sent that tweet out there and I said something like, you know, Michael Dunn and this, you know, when when I first started tweeting about Michael Dunn, like after we had, did you know, unveiled that he is actually, you know, with you, um, like I'd still tweet things out anytime Michael did something, and it would get like five retweets or like you know, ten likes on on you know, social media and stuff like that. So you can see like there wasn't like people didn't totally get it yet. I sent that first one out there about, you know, Michael being in the starting lineup. That thing had like 80 or 85 likes right away. And it wasn't because like Zach retweeted it and it got to all the Browns people. Like this jet, like there is a, the people who know him and know you and listen to the podcast and the people that are listening to this live, like they do care about him and they care about what he does and they care about the success he's having on the field. So it's not like we sat here for the first 15 minutes and talked to (laughs) Spider-Man.
2: Well, I am, I'm always grateful for our chat, but you know, especially with the personal connections, it does mean a lot to both of us. So. We have amazing, amazing listeners, and uh, it's pretty awesome to see, for sure.
0: <laughs> All right. On to the Jets we go, and we're going to start. We'll get to Zach Wilson, but we're going to start with the defense, uh, which wasn't good. The Dolphins' offense is not great, and they they move the ball on the ground, Connor, and that's the thing is this this run defense. And we'll talk about some of the positives. Brandon Eccles, the pick six, the secondary, this young secondary uh, holding its own. But this can't team can't stop the run, and that wasn't supposed to be one of the problems with this defensive front.
1: Yeah, the defensive front was supposed to be the strength, right? and and I think that the issue is that like the Jets defensive line when they were fully healthy and they were they were everyone was there. when they had Carl Lawson in the mix and they had a healthy Quinn Williams in the mix and they had a healthy John Franklin Myers in the mix and they had a healthy Bryce Huff in the mix and they had Sheldon Rankins and Foley Fatuzzi and all those guys. They had a defensive line that was believed to be the strength of this team. And it was. That's I shouldn't say believed. It was. It was the strength of this team. But it was the strength of a bad defense. So the Jets' defense was never expected to be very good. I mean, that's why it's like the issues that they're having and the struggles they're having. I mean, we talked about all of this coming during training camp and the offseason and the preseason. I mean, when the Jets were healthy, we are like, all right, hopefully the offense— puts up some points and is exciting and, and scores. But, like, the Jets, we thought we're going to lose a lot of, like, 31-28 games. You know what I mean? Or, or 34-24 games. You know, the offense would look good. They'd, they'd stumble a little bit with Zach because he's a rookie. But the offense would look good, but the defense would just be a, a disaster, you know? But the one thing that you could put, hang your hat on with the defense, and one thing you could say, like, okay, this would be decent – is they were going to be able to get to the quarterback, and they were going to pressure the passer and get to them because Sheldon Rankins is a pass-rushing defensive lineman. John Franklin Myers, I know he's like that hybrid defensive end defensive tackle, but he's he's a pass rusher. Quinn and Williams, more pass rusher than run stuffer on the inside. And then obviously Carl Lawson is, was expected to take that jump and be the Jets' like dynamic, edge-setting, edge double-digit, routine sack guy that just disrupts and potentially ruins games. Injuries have not only decimated... This Jets defense where Lawson is gone. You got Huff, who's just now coming back. You've got Quinn and Williams playing with basically one shoulder. You've got Giant Frank and Myers dealing with a bunch of different injuries. You lost Foley to COVID. You not only have a defensive line that's now been ravaged by injuries, but when you think about like the strengths of this group, when you think about what they did well, Tim, they weren't run stuffers. You know what I mean? Like like this what not again, this doesn't excuse allowing basically 200 yards rushing every single game. This isn't an excuse for that. I mean, the Jets have to be better. I mean, it is borderline embarrassing. I mean, it's it's if you're allowing like 120 yards a game, if you're allowing 130 yards a game, that's like where it's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah that's bad. That's not good." But it's like I mean even, you know, uh uh Duke Johnson and and the Dolphins who are absent a bunch of their running backs cuz Gaskin was out, right? They, they, they ran for 183 against the Jets. Duke basically came off the practice squad to run for like 120. And like it, it, seriously, it looked like Duke Johnson was back in high school. I was talking to DJ about that. He said, you can talk about Geno Smith and all the numerous players that have come out of, out of Florida and, and from there. But like the most famous Florida football player, because of what he did in high school, is Duke Johnson, which is why you heard them screaming and yelling Duke every time he touched the ball there with Miami. So I, I think it's a, a combination right now of – the Jets not having players, which we've talked ad nauseum about on this show and in, in written word on on the Athletic multiple times. The Jets don't have the players. The players they did had were not necessarily known as as run-stuffing guys. You know, like I said, Rankins, pass rusher; Quinnen, pass rusher; Bryce Huff, pass rusher; um, uh, John Franklin Myers, pass rusher; Carl Lawson, pass rusher. And then also the injuries that have set in and removed some of these players from the lineup. I mean, Nathan Shepard. And, and is playing a, a significant role. Kyle Phillips is playing a significant role. You know, you got Ward rotating in there at times. You know, you got guys that just... Guys that probably shouldn't be playing 20-30 snaps, playing 20 30 snaps, and... We've talked to Obrick to about this because when you look at the Jets' snap count totals and you see Quentin Williams and you see John Franklin Myers, arguably they're two best players, right? Foley's kind of a different anomaly because he's not a pass rusher at all, Foley Fatakasi. He's a guy that is going to stuff the run, right? That's what he does. He's the one true, pure run stuffer that the Jets have, excluding him. And you're just looking at some of these other guys, like you want, you would think, you want John Franklin Myers on the field a lot. You want Quinn and Williams on the field a lot, the vast majority of the plays. And the way that Jeff Ulbrich and Robert Sala work is that they don't do that because they want their defensive lineman when they're on the field going 100 miles per hour on that one play. And what they believe is that if you have a big-bodied guy like Quinn and Williams playing 60 snaps a game, he's probably only able to go 100 miles per hour on, say, 35 of them. So, in the Jets' mindset, and this is the Jets' philosophy, you have Quinnen Williams play 35 snaps at 100 miles an hour. John Franklin Myers play 100 miles an hour. uh, Kyle Phillips, 100 miles an hour. Nathan Shepard, 100 miles an hour. And all of those guys going 100 miles per hour will lead to more production than having a guy on the field for all 60 snaps going some 100, some 50, some 60, some 70, and then obviously, like I said, a couple of them at 100. I think the issue, and I have to go back and actually watch the film to see when the vast majority of these gashed plays are coming, because I, I can't tell from the box because you're watching everything happen at that time. But are the Jets getting gashed on the run when Quinnen, John Franklin Myers, and their starters are in there and their big body guys are in there? Or are the vast majority of these runs coming when those guys are off and the Jets are playing Kyle Phillips and they're playing Nathan Shepard? And you know we've kind of said, and we've brought this up to Ulbrich, and and, and we brought this up to Salo, where does it really make sense where, yeah, you're right, Quinnen isn't going 100 miles per hour on all 60 of his snaps because that's just not possible. It's not possible for a defensive lineman to do that, right? So he's only going 100 miles an hour, say, on like 35 of them. We're only going 100 miles per hour on those third-down rushes when if you you know rotate him for you put him on the field for those 35, he's going 100. But is 70% Quinnen Williams better than 100% Nathan Shepard? You know? Is 65% John Franklin Myers better? Better than hundred percent, Kyle Phillips. You know, like like that's what I believe. Because when you have these game changing, dominant players, you want them on the field. And dominant probably is a little strong to de- to describe John Franklin Myers. Quinnen Williams is a very very good player. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily describe him as dominant. Pro Bowl, All World. Yet um, he could take that step next year. Could certainly be much better when the Jets have more on that defense. Like when Carl Lawson's back, or the Jets draft Hutchinson, or the draft Thibodeau, or something like that, and they can throw him into the mix. Um, but in my opinion, 70, 60% Quinnen better than Phillips. 70, 60% Quinnen is better than Kyle Phillips. So those guys should be on the field all the time. And I wonder if some of these issues that they're having on the ground game, if there some of these issues where they're getting gashed is because when they put in, and I have to go back and look, but when they put in their second team at a hundred percent, the drop off in talent is just enough where, Nathan Shepard, the fact he's still on this team is surprising to me. But Nathan Shepard going 100 miles an hour, it doesn't really make a difference as Nathan, if Nathan Shepard isn't good. You know what I mean? And I wonder if that's actually hurting the Jets some.
2: So we actually haven't taken a lot of questions lately, but I kind of thought this was interesting. This one coming from Jive Turkey in the chat. Do we play? Do we pay Quinn and Williams or trade him? There, I said it.
1: No, you, what are your thoughts on you that don't counter? trade him. Um, that's not that's not going to happen real quick. though, I'm But to, do you pay him? Yeah, good question. So I'm looking just I just brought a PFF because I still have the PFF. <laughs> I, I'm to I am going to get into it. Like I am going to just I am going to answer that question just like real quick because I'm doing my own like little like so the run defense grades by the Jets off of that Dolphins game, right? Like the run defense games. Nathan Shepard played 26, played 42 total snaps, which is just it's like. Nathan Shepard shouldn't be playing that many snaps. He had a 42.2 pro football. And again, pro football focus grades aren't everything, but bringing this up, having not watched the film yet, and and just great. Nathan Shepard, 42.2 rush grade. Jonathan Marshall, who probably wouldn't be in there if Foley wasn't hurt, 43.8 pass rush grade. Then you get to Quinnen Williams, who's a 49.2. But again, Quinnen Williams is playing with one shoulder. So I do excuse Quinnen a little bit for for the last week and a half of football because, again, he's playing with one shoulder. He's clearly not 100%. He's going to deal with issues. He's going to deal with block shedding. So I exclude him because generally he's a a much better player than that. But you go up a little bit higher. Ronnie Blair playing 41 snaps, 53.3 run defense grade. You know what I mean? Like these guys just eventually when you get to some of the Jets' better players, I mean, John Franklin Myers, his run defense grade is 82. But John Franklin Myers played 42 snaps. That's the same amount of snaps as Nathan Shepard. Like John Franklin Meyer should be up there. He should be playing 50-60 snaps, 65 snaps. You want him on the field a bunch. And I wonder if like when the Jets just ro- this rotation that they're doing, I understand the thought process of it like we just explained. Like I I I get I get that in my head. The the why All right, it's it's a it's a right mentality, but it's a mentality that worked in San Francisco because when Bosa came off the field, Eric Armstead came in when DeForest Buckner came off the field, Solomon Thomas went in. The The 49ers had a stretch there from, I think it was like 2015 to 2019, where they drafted a defensive lineman in the first round of the draft all but like one year, right? Like all but one year they drafted a defensive lineman in the first round of draft. So they had, even if the players weren't, necessarily worthy of a first-round pick and they weren't, you know, all-world players, they were still at least some level of competent and some level of good. They were still better than the defensive linemen the Jets are taking Quinn and Williams off for. The Jets better than the defensive linemen they're taking John Franklin Myers out for. And I know Sala likes to say player A, player Z. You know, the only thing that separates them is is opportunity, right? Okay, I get it somewhat. But I wonder if, like, this thought process that worked in San Francisco because of the talent – that they had on that defensive line just is not working because the, the drop-off from the Jets' starters to the Jets' second string is just so dramatic and so alarming that when it drops off, it's just it's, – it's noticeably, noticeably bad. And I'll go real quick. I'll just bring this up just real quick to see what the overall um, defensive grades are against the run um, – so the Jets' lowest graded run defenders, aside from Jared Davis, you got Sheldon Rankins, who's a 30.2. That obviously is very, very bad. Jonathan Marshall, 43.8. Uh, Nathan Shepard's down there, 45.2. Uh, Jabari Zinga doesn't really play. Tim Ward, who's played, you know, eight games, obviously 55.1. When you look at the players that are actually grading out pretty well against the run, like plus 60, you got the guys that you would expect to be up there. You've got John Franklin Myers. You've got Shaq Lawson. You've got Ronnie Blair. Um, you have Quinnen Williams as well, obviously with a 60.0 grade. So a lot of these issues, in my opinion, like you look Nathan Shepard down there forty five point two, but Nathan Shepard's still playing forty snaps. So it's like to me that that's a that mindset works when you've got the talent to make it work. I don't think the Jets necessarily have the talent to make it work. Um, and now so back to the question. yeah, yeah. Uh, I just there was a question in out. there. Yeah, no, no, no. I just wanted to keep kind of. I wanted to finish off that that thought process before I appreciate tackling the stats. that question.
2: Bringing the evidence, I like it.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, if I was, you know, didn't sleep in today, I probably would have had that more well prepared. But that, I'm sorry, I had to do that in real time. <laughs> Apologize, folks. Where but else will you
2: get this honesty?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a good story though. Maybe that's a Thursday story. Um, I gotta see if Allison <laughs> wants to edit that one.
2: Connor, Talk this, just, this is a. Connor's workshopping. Why don't you please. check
0: with Allison after the podcast? Hey, is this right. is this Michael?
1: <laughs> this is Michael calling. Cleveland Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio.
2: That's creepy. No.
1: Yeah, yeah. We started talking about. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's Callahan. Maybe bringing in some like. Do you do? You, don't you dare talk about the Jets signing my guy, Michael Dunn. Don't you dare. Um, All right. No. Quinn, so the, here's the Quinn thing and with Quentin Williams is yeah you do not trade him and I would be beyond stunned if okay, the Jets decided do you to trade him. him. That That's is the, the thing question. Is, yeah, I don't think you pay him yet because you don't need to. And and Sal has shown, Fair. and he showed it during the Jamal Adams negotiations, that like he's he's gonna pay his guys. Like he was willing to pay John Franklin Myers, right? Franklin Myers was gonna be a free agent. He extended him. The Jets still have that fifth year option though with Quinnen. And if I'm Quinnen Williams, I probably still want to get my breakout year, right? I mean, look at look at um, how Leonard Williams got paid how the, the amount of money Leonard Williams would have gotten if he had gone into free agency and I got in the franchise tag originally, he had his breakout year, his double-digit sack year, and he gets a monster contract. Quinnen still hasn't had that monster breakout year yet. He was good last year, showed flashes of being really good, then got hurt. This year has been good this year, shown some flashes of being really good, showing like, you know what, you put a few more pieces around him and teams can't necessarily double-team him. He'll really take off when he's just seeing one-on-one blocking the majority of the time. But now is hurt too. I think if I'm Quinnen, like the Jets aren't going to give him that twenty million dollar a year, twenty five million dollar a year contract yet. That's not happening right now. I think they'll offer him a contract, but it's going to be low balled. And then if you're Quinnen, it's do you take the low ball or do you keep fighting and negotiating? And for the Jets, I think you're going to see this. You're going to see Quinnen get extended. Probably, I would let him play on the fifth year option. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see any need to play. I don't like. You still have. I, I just. I don't honestly. I just. I just don't see the need yet to go and pay Quinnen. And, and it's, it's almost, I mean, he's only played, this is his third year, right? So you still has to play his fourth year of his rookie deal. I know you can pay, but like this, this guy's getting paid after three years. That's for quarterbacks. It's, it's not, it's not for defensive players. It's for quarterbacks that you want to lock up. So Quinnen still has his fourth year rookie contract. He still has the fifth year option. Then the Jets could technically still franchise tag him. So that's three years, two years of definitive team control. Three years if the Jets want to franchise tag him. I don't think Quinton has shown enough to be like, I want to give this guy $25 million a year. I want to make him the highest paid or one of the highest paid defensive linemen in the NFL. He clearly is a building block piece. He's clearly a piece that Robert Sala views as incredibly important because he plays that DeForest Buckner three-technique position that was so valuable for his defenses in San Francisco and will still be so valuable for Robert Sala's defenses moving forward. But... You don't need to pay him yet when you have this much team control. So, no, there's no trading Quentin Williams because he's still a very good player. Yeah, he's been banged up the first couple of years of his career. That's an issue. But, you know, he can still I, – I still believe in him. I still think he'll find healthy. It's kind of been fluke things where he's gotten hurt by. He's been a good player, not a great player. I think he'll take that next step when you get Lawson back and you put another pass rusher next to him. But as far as paying him, you don't have to pay him yet. You just don't. I mean, when you have – if he was on through his fourth year and we were going to the fifth-year option – Maybe you think about it. If we were through five years, obviously going into a franchise tag, you definitely think about it. When he's just finishing up year three and he's a defensive lineman, you don't have to pay him yet. I mean, and and it would be pretty bold for Quinn to hold out or something like that and try to put himself in the same conversation as the Bosa brothers or things like that because he hasn't been that dominant. He's been a good player whose flash signs of being really, really good, but he hasn't done it consistently yet. And and I don't think he's done enough to like slam his you know slam his hands down and say pay me twenty five million dollars a year. So. No, the Jets aren't going to trade them. No, the Jets don't have to pay them yet. I think it's more of a conversation for next year, like next this time next year. All right, a lot more to get to. We're going to take a short
0: break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, we generally on this podcast lead with Zach Wilson because, hey, he's the number two overall pick. He's the quarterback. He's the hopefully future of this team. But we pushed him down a little bit because of the defensive issues. But now it's time to get the report card on Zach Wilson, Connery started good that first touchdown drive, 5 of 5. Overall, the first half, pretty good. Um, He sacked six six times, holding on the ball too long. Um, There was was progress at times, but four completed passes in the second half, which was just bad. Obviously, the Dolphins made adjustments. Wilson and the Jets didn't adjust well on the offensive side of the football. So what kind of a report card, what kind of a grade does Wilson get for that start? His 10th in the NFL. I'd say I guess... Yeah,
1: I would say like C plus. Hey, we're I in, think it was we're in sync B. this time. That's what I was gonna say. I don't think you could say hey, yeah, maybe like C C plus. I think right around there is probably a fair grade for Wilson. I mean, I will say like what's been, you know, like I've covered now the jet, like I like I've said before like my first my first full time my when I, the, the the when the Star Ledger NJ.com, hired me full time was 2016, but I was around the Jets. Um, a chunk of 2014 while I was still in college, and a large portion of 2015 when I was in college, or all of 2015 when I was in college, doing practices and home games. Obviously, I couldn't travel because I was in college, but I still covered the Jets partially 2014, a lot in 2015, and then full time starting in 2016. So I've seen like the different waves, and I've gotten to know the fans and and things like that, and um, I've experienced obviously an awful lot of lows. Uh, one sort of decent high with the Ryan Fitzpatrick anomaly year. Uh, where the Jets went 10-6 and six and nearly made the playoffs. And I will go down in the boat saying that they would have made a run, too, if they made the playoffs in 2015. Because that was when, if I'm not mistaken, they were going to play the, the Cincinnati Bengals in the first round in the wild card playoffs if they had made it. Cincinnati had lost Andy Dalton, so they were going to be playing a backup quarterback. I think it was A.J. McCarron, if I'm not mistaken. And then if they won that game, they would have been playing the Patriots, whom they had beat the week in Week 16 with the Eric Decker touchdown and had played him close early in the season. So... Uh, it was going to be a very, very interesting playoff run for the Jets or, or playoff appearance of the Jets because I think they would have beaten the Bengals and then if they beat the Bengals, you're going into to Foxborough and anything could happen in a divisional game. Um, man, that would have been man, that would have been fun. Um, whew, God, I uh, haven't thought about that in a while. Um, but aside from that, it's been mostly low, right? I never really thought things could get as toxic and just so alarmingly defensive and polarizing as the Adam Gase era. Because with Adam Gase, it got to the point where when he started the first 10-year 1-7, then at any point in year two, if you made any sort of comment about the reason for why Adam Gase wasn't having some semblance of success as a head coach, you were absolutely just torn apart limb by limb. Uh, And it was because Adam Gase was the root of all evil. Adam Gase was the problem for all the Jets. It didn't matter the injuries. It didn't matter roster construction. It didn't matter poor quarterback play. It didn't matter what was happening on defense. Adam Gase was public enemy number one. And if you dared say anything to the contrary, you were ripped apart limb by limb. Last year was the only time in my entire tenure covering the Jets where I turned off my mentions because it was like you couldn't cover the team. You either had to absolutely destroy this guy's character in every essence or you were in bed with him and that's what it was said and it was like it was so frustrating that i i and many members of the beat were just like turning off the mentions when gase was gone solid came in was when i put my mentions back on because it was like okay like this is like a new era new coach new quarterback like this is kind of going to be pretty fun and and at different points of life like I remember, like the whole thing about the Jets searching for a quarterback, is that it's there's always been like the the diehard people to defend the quarterbacks for, for through thick and thin. Like it was like that with Geno Smith. Like I remember that with Geno, where people were defending Geno until the bitter end. Right. Same thing. With Christian Hackenberg, people were defending him until the bitter end. We're too harsh on him. We're too critical on him. We have no idea what we're talking about. It like it's, We're wrong, we're wrong, we're wrong. Just, just ridiculing us on Christian Hackenberg. Then with Sam, the same thing. It's, oh, he doesn't have playmakers. It's not Sam's fault. It's Adam Gase's fault. He's fine. Didn't you see this throw? Didn't you see that throw? Blah, 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 blah. Ridicule, ridicule, rip, 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 rip. rip. So I've seen, like, like people, it's, it's known across all NFL fan bases because, you know, uh, you turn on WFAN and you hear Giant fans call in, they're doing the exact same defense of Daniel Jones right now. And if you call into Miami, they're going to do the same defense of Tua. And it's like, it's just, it's the way that fans operate, that they are very, very, very defensive of the quarterback, wanting to believe that they have their franchise guy answered there. I will say that I've never, this loops in Gase, this loops in Darnold, this loops in Hackenberg, this loops in everything. I have never seen people so just angered and frustrated by you saying anything negative about Zach Wilson. And it's wild to me because like, I, I, I I didn't really look at my mentions too, too much during the game because like I was writing and, and working and things like that. But it was like, I went back and I looked and, and I thought like coming off of the game, I thought Zach Wilson played. Okay. Like I thought he had like a better game than he's had. Like he was better than he was the week before there were moments where he was really, really good, which I tweeted about. Like, that first drive that he had, it was surgical. I mean, he went down the field surgically and was as good as I've seen him operate in offense. Like, I've seen him make better throws, case in point against the Titans. I've seen him have better stretches, case in point against the Eagles. But as far as one drive is concerned, just bang, 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 attack, 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 surgically dicing up a defense. That first drive where he went 5-for-5, five five, 55 yards, Jets went 83 yards for a touchdown. That was as good as I've seen Zach Wilson quarterback a team for a drive, and I said that. And like there were compliments thrown against this guy. There was that that pass that he threw the Keelan Cole drop, which was just an absolute laser ble- laser beam in tight coverage with no separation. He found a hole that I didn't know existed, hit him in the hands, and he dropped it. Amazing throw. And so when Zach Wilson did all these positive things, like we pointed out, all these positive things, that run that he made, the the scrambling, the the one where he made like set, he made six players miss, one technically five different players, but six guys miss because he made one player miss twice on his way to a first down, six yard gain. All right, the 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 commitment that he's had to running the ball more and sliding where he he should have picked up a first down, but the, Connor McDermott got flagged for a hold, got to the outside, went out of bounds. Like all of these good things that he did, uh, spam Cleveland left me a voicemail. So I'm curious to see what that is. I'm telling you, it's Michael Dunn. Um, uh, he's apparently he's mad about his PFF grade it was 72.6. He thought it should've been 73 flat. Like, it's very, very upset about. It. Like, actually, he's gonna get mad that I I talked about the the guy who beat him on the, like the first possession of the game before he settled in. He's gonna do it with Darren Lee. <laughs> Michael
2: is Michael is his har- harshest critic. Like, d- you don't have to. We already watched the film last night. We you know 2 a.m. and we're watching the film on the ipad i'm like can we go to sleep like can we do this tomorrow i got a podcast in the morning
1: he, uh darren lee the
2: ipad like this close to his face
1: so he's, he's the anti darren lee darren lee was the guy who used to like like you get in the locker room and i would have tweeted like if rob gronkowski beat darren lee for a five-yard pass like bullshit tweet and as soon as i get in the locker room darren's calling me over that wasn't my fault <laughs> i didn't get beat on that one so he's, he's the anti uh anti-Lee. um but yeah, so like I mean, everything that that, that Wilson did, and I think he played like he he made some progress. Like he took some steps. It wasn't a great game though. Like it wasn't like he was like again. He was still under sixty percent completion percentage. He still would have been if he threw in the like he still made some bad decisions. There were times where he hitched and he held the ball too long, where he's got to either throw at the ball, dirt it, or just not take the sack. Like there were plenty of those examples, right? So I kind of like like you know you you write it's a very kind like you write the positives, then you write the negatives. Like but. I think what was wild was when I went back and I happened to look at my Twitter because I wanted to go find that tweet uh, about the scoreboard proposal. And I see like the ratio on the first negative tweet that I sent on Zach Wilson. And it was as simple as like Zach Wilson needs to have a little bit better pocket presence and feel the pocket collapsing in on him because he took the sack and the fumble and the Dolphins recovered it. And to go from like that to then go into my mentions and see literal death threats (laughs) over like saying that, I was like, Holy shit! So obviously, like, I reported that stuff to Twitter because you obviously you can't take that stuff not seriously. And I had to contact like my boss and my editor and be like, "Hey, just so you know, like, this happened to me." The our head of like security, or whatever they are, contacted me. Like, hey, so what? What did you do to warrant like the death threat? Like, what happened? Like, he wanted, like, he thought, like, ma- like, I, like, did I go like political on somebody? Did I make a remark that I shouldn't have that enticed somebody to be like, "I'm gonna kill you"? So I copied the tweet and sent it to him, and he, he like, there was like a long pause, and he goes, he's like. That seems a a little harsh of a reaction to that one. I was (laughs) like, yeah, you think? I was like, but like, I've never seen, honestly, and this goes back to Hack, this goes back to Gino, this goes back to Sam. I've never seen like any criticism. Like you cannot criticize Zach. You cannot criticize him at all. You can't say anything negative about this guy without having your head ripped off and thrown back at you and criticized for doing your job, told you suck at your job, you don't know football, this is why we hate you, or have literal death threats sent on you Because you criticize him in any way, shape, or form. And I didn't say he sucked. I didn't say he was bad. I didn't say he was awful. I pointed out two aspects of his game that weren't that great in a game that wasn't that amazing. Again, the guy didn't throw for 200 yards. He didn't throw for a touchdown. The Jets only scored 17 points on offense. It wasn't a great game. So he had really good moments. He had times where he looked really good. He had other times where he didn't. And we pointed out the good and we pointed out the bad. And, like, it's just – it's become – so vicious and so vile. And so like at times disgusting that it's like, what are we doing here? Like, it's like, it, it and, and the comment I wrote, like, and it, it got like, Zach's going to be this team's quarterback next year. The jets are not going to, going to Josh Rosen him in any way, shape or form. He's going to be this team's quarterback. He's going to be their starter next year. They're still going to try to invest talent and in playmakers all around him to make a better, to make him a better quarterback and help him reach his franchise potential. Joe Douglas still believes in him. Michael floor still believes in him. Robert Salas still believes in him. Everyone still believes in this kid. He's not going anywhere, but right now, He's dealing with the ups and downs of being a quarterback, and we point out the ups and we point out the downs. And the one thing that I will say, and the point of my post game column, and, it, and it's it's something that I stand by, is that right now, and it's and it's 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 related to that feeling, right? Like taking a gander uh, down the mentions and seeing how this fan base is reaction, reacting to any negative praise of Wilson. And I will say, like, there's also the a chunk of this fan base who are ready to write the kid off, like that oh, of are course. like, no, he sucks, yeah. he's done. I mean, I I read my last story, like not this column. I wrote a story last week, and there were back-to-back columns on The Athletic, and one was ripping me apart for not knowing anything about quarterbacks and how dare I criticize him. Don't I understand he's a rookie? He played great like that. They're just, just eviscerating me in every way, shape, or form to start. The comment directly underneath it was, I really think we need to consider doing what the Arizona Cardinals did and trading Zach and moving on and drafting another quarterback this year. Like so that's how polarizing it is in the comments section. You know how it is out there in Twitterverse, which is where it's vile anyway. Um, but I think the reasoning for that is that there is very little to feel very good about the Jets right now. If you think about it, right? I mean, they they have 3 wins this year. They have one they are one win bet if they lose to the Jaguars because they're not beating the Bucks or the Bills. And they lose to the Jaguars on Sunday, which is possible they're going to finish this season with one more win than they did last year with Adam Gase. The year where they were going to go 0-16, the year where they weren't going to win a game, the year where it was the worst coaching staff and roster assembled, they're going to win one more game, right? That's one more game than they had with Gase, one more game than they had with Darnold, one more game they've won despite Joe Douglas having an entire offseason and another massive cache of draft picks to make this roster better. They've won one, one more game. Since week one of last year, when the Jets began their zero sixteen escapade on the, or, um, I don't even know if I said that word right, on the way to um, on their way to to the number two pick in the NFL draft, um, totally lost my train of thought. Oh, since week one of last year, they are five and twenty five. That is horrific. And Joe Douglas has had a two thousand and twenty, a two thousand and twenty one. I'm sorry, the Jets should be better. Like, if if that twenty twenty draft class was any better this team wouldn't be better. But, I mean, they whiffed, basically, on Kai Becton right now, who hasn't played. They clearly whiffed on Denzel Mims. Piron can't get on the field. Morgan can't get on the field. Davis is on the field, but you don't want him on the field. Zuninga can't get on the field. Braden Mann and Bryce Hall are the only saving graces of that draft class. Bryce Hall looks like a pretty good number two corner, and Braden Mann actually has some questions about it. I chalk some of it up to the knee sprain that he had, but, uh, like, Bryce Hall's dealing with issues, or um, not Bryce Hall, I'm sorry, Braden Mann's dealing with issues now, too. So the Jets are going on right now an 11-year playoff drought. That's bad. Really bad. It's the worst in the NFL. Every single other team, all 31 other teams have played a playoff game since the Jets' last playoff game, except for the Jets. 5-25 and 25 since week one of last year. Your defense is a disaster. You're having to cling to series, throws, quarters to justify that your quarterback is going to be a franchise quarterback. And that's it. And and some of the players you are excited about, Carl Lawson, injured reserve, Corey Davis, injured reserve, Elijah Moore, injured reserve. Right? It's embarrassing right now to be a Jet fan. It is. Like you you can't wear your jet jersey anywhere right now without being made fun of. It's true. If you wear a wear a Zach Wilson jersey out in public right now, unless you're with other Jet fans, you're gonna get made fun of. If you wear a Jets shirt, people are going to come up and say, I'm sorry. I'm not kidding you when I say I, cl- I went through customs when the Jets played the Falcons in Philadelphia, right? Because I fly in and out of Philly. I went through customs. The custom agent takes my passport and he goes, what were you doing in the UK? I was like, oh, I, like, I, I cover the Jets. I was there for the Jets. The, I cover the Jets for the Athletic. I'm, I'm, I was there for, for their game against the Falcons. The guy goes from looking at my passport to looking up at me, looking down at my passport, looking back up at me. Shaking his head, handing my passport back and says, I'm so sorry. I cover the team. Like, I'm getting paid to watch this. And this guy, this customs agent, is saying, I'm sorry. Like, that's what Jet fans have had to deal with excessively since the Adam Gase era in 2019. But you can go back even further for the last 11 years of not making the playoffs. Like... That adds to frustration. Every year you're like, okay, this is going to be a little better. Okay, we're going to get a little bit better. Okay, this is going to be a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And the little bit better that this year, finally excitement, young quarterback, new coach, Robert Sala, all gas, all breaks, Zach Wilson, so exciting, improvising. And there's a chance you end this season with one more win than you had with Adam Gase when you were tanking. One more win. Like, that takes its toll. It takes, your, it takes a toll on a person. It takes a toll on fans. It takes its toll on media who got to deal with this all day. So I understand and, and get why there is like, do not give us any negative. We have to have every semblance of positivity because it needs to make us feel better. We need that positivity. We need it. We need it. We cannot handle any more negativity. Give us the positives. I get that. Unfortunately, if the Jets lose to the Jaguars, Lose out. Zach Wilson keeps playing like he has where you're just clinging to individual throws, individual series, quarters, halves. Not even a complete good game from start to finish, but moments of each game. None of that's going to change. What can change it, though, and this was the point of my post game column. And it does not impact Zach Wilson's future. It does not mean these final three games are going to say if Zach Wilson's a franchise quarterback or not. It does not mean if these final three games are going to be if the Jets move on from Zach Wilson after this year, which they are not, or draft another quarterback, which they are not. None of that. It does not impact any of that. But it can change the overall public outlook of this team. It can bring back some pride to this fan base. It can change the narrative slightly. If Zach Wilson against the Jaguars, against the Bucks, and against the Bills plays really well. If he throws for 280 to 300 yards in each of those games. If he's throwing two or three touchdowns in each of those games. If he's avoiding the turnover. If he, even against the Bucks, who are a far superior team. Against the Bills, who are a far superior team. If he keeps those games with one possession into the fourth quarter. If against the Jaguars, a team that's probably from a talent perspective online with the Jets, if he beats them and plays really well and outplays Trevor Lawrence, if he outduels Trevor Lawrence, it starts to change that narrative. Because when it comes to quarterback play, there is a recency bias across the league. Zach Wilson having a strong final three games will erase everything he did the first 15 games of the season. 15 weeks of the season, I'm sorry. It will erase all of that. Because all people will be talking about is how he out Trevor Lawrence, right? And the Jaguars. All people will be talking about is how he went toe-to-toe with Brady. All people will be talking about how the Bills, you know, the, the cream of the crop in the AFC, perceived to be the cream of the crop in the AFC going into this game. Zach Wilson kept things tight with this, these guys around him, this offensive line, these playmakers, no Corey Davis, potentially no Elijah Moore. He kept things close enough with these guys that imagine what happens after he has another free agency assigning players, another draft of adding talent around him. Imagine what he can do. You can change the narrative. You can change the public perception of these last three games. And suddenly when you wear your Zach Wilson jersey out there, people won't be talking about the interception he threw off the ass of a player in in Houston. They'll be talking about those final three games. They won't be making fun of you for wearing a Zach Wilson jersey in public. They'll be saying, man, you know what? The Jets probably got the better player than Trevor Lawrence. You see how how much better he played against the Jaguars than Trevor did? It'll change that perception. It'll add good feels. It'll infuse this... Success-served franchise with optimism, and that's what the point of my column was, was that like Zach holds the key over these next three weeks to change the narrative, that if he plays well these final three weeks, very similar to how Sam Darnold played in 2018, he will change the narrative of this roster, he'll change the narrative of this team, he'll make things different. And the comparison, again, is Sam Darnold in 2018. He was dreadful. He threw more touchdowns than Zach did, but he also threw more interceptions his first nine starts. He was awful. Jets didn't win. He was bad. Hurts his foot against the Dolphins in in the, the Hard Rock, which is the House of Horrors for New York. Hurt his foot, misses four games. He comes back. He's completing over 65% of his passes, six touchdowns, one interception, 99 quarterback rating. The Jets only won one game in that four-game stretch, but they played it tight against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. They played it tight against the playoff-bound Houston Texans. They were blown out by the Patriots, but it didn't matter because the other three games showed something. The Jets went into the 2019 offseason, or the 2019 year, 2018 offseason. After the 2018 season, I'm saying. i got all my years mixed up. After Sam's rookie year, they went into that free agency and draft with the feeling that they had their franchise quarterback. I said, I wrote in my lead. I was sitting there with with Dow Loggins in the lobby of the JW Marriott. When he turns around and he goes, he's talking about getting the Jets job as their offensive coordinator, him and Adam Gase, he goes, man, we have effing Sam Darnold. That's, that's what Sam's final four games did. Sam was awful the first nine weeks. But those final four games had it to where all of the Jets staff were in Indianapolis busting out their chest, boasting out their chest, saying, dude, we got Sam and Darnold. That's how those four games changed the complexion. And suddenly the Jets were a desirable destination because they had Sam. They got a new coaching staff. They got a bunch of money. They got a bunch of draft picks. There was optimism around that team. It was false. It was misguided because Sam turned it out to be a bust and he was the same. He's been the same bust in Carolina that he's been in New York. But for like that little bit of time, you were proud to be a Jet fan again. Yeah, it didn't work out, but you were proud and you were proud because of those final four games. Zach has the ability to do something very, very similar this year. If he plays well these final three weeks, they're going into next year proud. If the Jets are going to be at the combine this year. Sala LaFleur buffing out their chest, we got Zach Wilson. Didn't you see how he closed the season? Didn't you see how much better he got? Fans are going to be happy to wear Jets jerseys again. There's going to be optimism. It's going to make the Jets a desirable destination because free agent of draft picks are going to want to play with Zach. Right now, when you're hanging as a Jet fan to individual throws, individual quarters, individual series, that's it. Not yet even a complete game. That's not enough to make anyone other than Jet fans feel good. But if Zach plays well these final three games, he can change the narrative and complexion of this team. And that would be so, so important for a franchise that has been a laughingstock for so, so long. There are jokes made about the Jets on Ted Lasso. There's jokes made about the Jets on SNL. That's not good. That shows you are a laughingstock and a joke. But you can change it these final three weeks. And the way you change it these final three weeks is with number two, under center. He plays well these final three games. Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
0: And this game, this next game, I think as far as narrative, is going to go so far because it's against Trevor Lawrence. And you look at the numbers so far between these two guys, Wilson 10 games, Lawrence 14 games because of the injury. But the passing percentages, Wilson 56.2%, Lawrence 58.1%, both under 60. Uh, Wilson, 1,900 yards, a little over. Lawrence, just under 3,000 yards. The touchdowns, six touchdowns, 11 picks for Wilson. Nine touchdowns, 14 picks for Lawrence. And then the ratings: 66.4 for Wilson, 69.3 for Lawrence. They're really similar. They're both on. And the thing that's different between these guys versus Mac Jones, the rookie that's played better, and other rookies, is these guys are both playing for just terrible teams. With They don't have the stuff around them. The difference, though, that's weird going into this week's game, Connor, is that the the Jets, we know, are a bad football team. The Jaguars, though, are the dumpster fire, right? Like they're the team that, that just fired the coach because of all the embarrassing moments over the course of the year. They're the team that can't get out of its own way, whereas the Jets are just bad on the field. Yeah. And so this game is really fascinating to me because if the Jets were to lose this game— They would it would improve their draft stock, right? They're number four right now. Jacksonville's number two with it. Yeah. And Jacksonville's back in that number one spot. They could move up to two, but they already have their quarterback. Versus on the other side of it, you win the game and you you know, you beat a team that's that's seen right now as worse. So I to me, forget the draft stuff. You have to win this game because if you don't win this game against the dumpster fire of the NFL, you once again become that. And they can't um, um, they can't do that in my opinion. They can't be the team that
1: oh they lost to Jacksonville too. Oh man. I think it's you're right. But I think it's also how if they were to lose how would they lose? I mean it look I mean Hutchinson, Michigan, Thibodeau, Oregon neither of those guys from what i've i've talked to i've talked to some scouts and and some coaches and things like that from what i understand neither of those guys are, are like the bosa brothers neither of those guys are like chase young but they are in that like upper echelon of dynamic pass rushers like that's what they're considered now you're not you're not the bosa brothers and young were just different they are they were a different breed these guys are not that good but they're really 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 freaking good i mean they're double digit sack potential players like they are dominant they are potential like edge setting game changing perennial pro bowl players up front. They're going to go one and two in some variation because it looks like the top three teams are all going to be like, there's no quarterback worthy of a number one pick. It's just not. So they're going to be within contention there for the jets to get one of those number one or number two picks. Assuming everyone else loses out because what is it? It's the lion, the, the NFL, what is the NFL draft order right here? So right now it's Jacksonville one, Detroit two, Houston three jets, four, uh, Jacksonville's two and twelve Detroit's two eleven and one Houston three and eleven Jets are three and eleven the reason why the Jets are picking four and not three with the Texans is because the Texans have a strength of schedule of 0 point496 the Jets have won a .502. That's .004 difference. That can literally change with like two games on each team's schedule. So that is going to be – a you, you have to watch it at the uh, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever these NFL technical weeks end. You just have to recheck to see what the updated strength of schedule is to see how things adjust and things move, because that could easily change at a moment's notice. But if the Jets lose to the Jaguars, assuming the – lions lose out and the texans lose out the jets and the jets can go up to the number two pick in the draft if the Texans' strength of schedule evens out where the jets get the advantage there right the jets could technically move up to number one if the lions find a way to win a game the texans win another game the jag the jets lose the jaguars and the jaguars lose out so number one is possible i think number two is very possible because all it's going to come down to if the jets lose to the jaguars is a strength of schedule which is going to be a coin flip in my opinion, I'm, I'm with you. A win and looking really, really good, and Zach Wilson tearing it up, even if it is just the Jaguars. Zach Wilson throwing for three fifty, three three touchdowns, looking really good, and the Jets winning this one 31-21 or 31-17 or 31-10 or even 31-28 is really – it would be a big boost because it would be like, you know what, everything that you've wanted to see about Zach Wilson – you've seen about Zach Wilson. Everything you wanted to see from this offense taking a step forward, you wanted to see. him. And it also goes the sub-storyline of Zach Wilson versus Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson goes up 1-0 on Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson beat Trevor Lawrence. Like, that will mean something, and it will carry some weight, and it will be some a feather to put in your hat and something to feel good about. However, if the Jets lose this game, I don't think it's the be-all, end-all, oh my God, the sky is falling, depending on how they lose the game. If they get blown out, and they lose this one 28-6, if they lose this one 31-10, and Zach throws for 150 yards, one touchdown or no touchdowns, a bunch of turnovers, again, his completion percentage is under 60, Trevor Lawrence looks good, and the Jets are blown out of the building, yeah, that's going to look bad because the Jaguars are a dumpster fire, the Jaguars are a bad team, and again, that will set the Jets up to finish this season with one more win than they did last year, and they played one additional game this year with a generally weaker schedule. I think you can make that argument that the Jets like th- th- for the Jets to win just 3 games this year after 2 games last year, that's really bad. I don't care injuries, I don't care coaching, I don't care players, I don't care rookie quarterback. That's really bad if you finish with just 3 wins. Um however, if the Jets lose this game, but they're it's a a shootout or they or they lose this game 31-28. If they lose this game 28-27, if they lose this game 34-31, and Zach still looks really, really good and goes toe-to-toe with Trevor Lawrence and in some ways outplays him. The offense is going back and forth, and they're trading blows, and they're trading shots, and Zach looks really, really good against this team, but the Jets still lose by three points because their defense is really bad and they can't stop James Robinson, and, and Lawrence hits him for a couple deep passes. I don't think that's, like, end of the world. Oh, my God, the Jets actually lost. Because all you'll be talking about coming out of that game You won't be talking about the final score. You won't be talking about the Jets' defense. You'll be talking about how Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson went toe-to-toe and dueled with each other and both looked really, really good. And that situation, that case, is actually probably from a long-term perspective, down-the-road perspective, that's probably the best-case scenario for the Jets because you still get everything you want to see out of Zach Wilson. You still lose, and you still move up in the draft order to potentially number two where Thibodeau or Hutchinson could be waiting for you. So I think that's possible. That's probably from a long-term football perspective a really, really good outcome. And then obviously Zach Wilson looking really, really good and tearing it up against the Jaguars and and leading the Jets to a victory over Trevor Lawrence. That's the best possible outcome. I think the worst of all worst outcomes is the Jets win this game like ten to six. Trevor yeah. Lawrence looks awful. Zach Wilson looks awful. The Jets win and ruin their draft hopes too. Like that would be like the worst case scenario. But as long as Zach Wilson looks really, really, really good, win or loss. The Jets can take victory out of this. They can take solace out of this. They'll take, our yeah, okay, we lost, but our rookie quarterback looked really freaking good against the number one pick in the draft. Our draft position improved. Zach Wilson had his best game of the season. We're good with that. Or the Jets win the game, and Zach Wilson looks really good. It's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe you don't get the two defensive linemen, but Stingley's still there. Hamilton could still be there. We could trade back and get even more draft picks. Like, there's more options there as well. So I don't think a loss is a be-all and end-all, or I don't think it's like this. Like I said, sky is falling if they lose. It just depends on how they how they potentially lose, how they lose.
0: The other interesting thing as far as the draft goes is tonight the Seahawks are back on the field. The other team you like to root against as a Jets fan, no, number eight right now as far as draft order goes. But playing at the Rams probably a loss for Seattle that helps out the Jets as well. All right, we are uh, not going to have a second episode this week. Uh, with, is it Christmas? Yes, yes. I was like, what did he say? Yes, because of Christmas, Christmas Eve on Friday. Uh, But we will be back with you with a recap of whatever this Jets-Jaguars game becomes early on next week. Um, If you celebrate Christmas, hope you enjoy it over the weekend. If not, just enjoy. Hopefully you have some time off from work anyway. And we will be back with you early next week. With that full recap, thanks for tuning in to the Can't Wait podcast. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait to save 33% off a subscription to The Athletic. Talk to everybody soon.